One of the things I've experienced really in my journey is spending the time to be able to talk to people. I spent a lot of time meeting and talking to other practitioners that had ventured out and set their own private practices because you you get a lot of useful information just knowing, you know, what were the hurdles, the impediments, um, the challenges that folks had faced when they had ventured out to start their own private practice. So I thought that was a very, very helpful approach. This is Pittsburgh, a place where a rich heritage of making things and a fierce independent nature come together to create a thriving entrepreneurial community. Whether you're a small business owner looking for ideas or inspiration, or you're an enthusiastic supporter of local businesses, you'll find it here. I'm your host, Darren Volano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Hello, everyone. For my behind-the-scenes episode today, we're going to be meeting with Dr. Nikhil Asher. He just opened up a new private practice in the Cranberry area. I just pulled up out front, and the place looks amazing. It's really beautiful from the outside. I'm excited to go in and take a look. We are going to get a tour, a sneak peek around the facility, and get a chance to sit down and talk with Dr. Asher and learn more about his practice and what he's doing here at Aspirational Health. So let's go. Hello, Dr. Asher, how are you doing? Good to see you. Thank you very much for letting me in. This is amazing. What a beautiful facility. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if you just give me a second, I will, um, I'm going to grab my couple bags out and then we'll, we'll do it. Today, my guest is Dr. Nikhil Asher. He is the founder of Aspirational Health. Dr. Asher, thank you so much for being thank on the you. podcast today. Thanks very much, Darren. This is an amazing, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This is an amazing facility. I was so impressed when I pulled up. I live very close, just up the street, and had not noticed this transformation taking yeah. place here in this building. So you're going to have to tell us more about that. But just to get started real quick, could you just tell us a little bit about Aspirational Health, the work that you do here for somebody that's not been in your facility? I know it's new. Could you just tell them a little bit about it? Yes, I'd be glad to. And thanks, Darren, for making it over. So we opened back in August. Uh, we are a new, brand new uh, healthcare facility here in the area that offer primary care services. Our goal is really to be able to establish patient relationships with the community and offer personalized primary care. I mean, a lot of times when folks ask why we did this, it's really just being able to bring primary care back to the basics of um, getting to know folks that come to us for their healthcare needs, having long-lasting relationships, you know, following them through, and being able to offer comprehensive services for health improvement, for um, uh, optimum mental health, and fitness. So that's what we're about here. Yeah, and I know from talking to you before and also from reading about you on your website that the integrated mm -hmm. aspect of this is very important. So mm -hmm. I just want to just talk about that for a second. And by integrated, I mean two things really because it could mean a couple different things. On the one hand, integrated for patient care. Mm -hmm. So you're bringing patients in and you can treat the whole patient as, mm -hmm. as you were just talking about, you know, mm -hmm. really a holistic approach to their care. And also integrated in the sense that you have a facility that does more than one thing. Mm -hmm. You have what makes this unique is, you know, part of this looks like a traditional medical facility, but it doesn't because we're about to see in a few minutes that you have a fitness area as well, mm -hmm. which is really unique. And so it's integrated, it's at the facilities integrated. Could you just talk for a minute about 
the importance of integration on both of those levels and just why it's so important as a central theme and mission for aspirational health. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So a whole aspect of primary care really involves looking at lifestyle, uh, looking at sleep, looking at nutrition, you know, looking at mental health management. And one of the things we've noticed in primary care is that when you look at siloed approaches to care, which is just medications or, you know, a whole lot of advice, and then you don't see the patients again for many months after that, it really doesn't yield a lot of beneficial outcomes. What's most helpful really is the advice, but then following through with facilitating um, health improvement. And that's really one of the reasons why we established this health and wellness center, because we wanted to be able to have that partnership model with our patients in that they could come back right here at their primary care office and be able to get a whole spectrum of health improvement services. And with that, I mean, being able to work with a registered dietitian that can help them with their nutritional uh, management and developing food plans, for example, uh, working with a yoga instructor that can you know, help them with yoga therapy, which can be a very important aspect for a lot of patients that need um, help with uh, chronic pain or you know, stiffness and joint problems. Uh, we have a fitness instructor on staff that does fitness consults and then helps patients develop a way to be able to implement an exercise program. You know? And we have sort of the whole range of folks that have never exercised for you know, long periods of time and want to get better back to people who already are regular but want to see how they can further improve their exercise routine. And then we have mental health counselors, which we think is a very important aspect of preventative medicine, which is, you know, how do we help patients with optimal mental health, stress reduction, you know, management of anxiety, depression, grief, um, PTSD. So we thought that, you know, we really will be able to contribute to the health if we looked at a multidisciplinary team-based approach rather than the siloed, fragmented approach that unfortunately you see so commonly. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of that, let's take a little tour around. We're going to see that that fitness room in a minute. Maybe we can start with a little bit of the, the medical side of the house. Absolutely. Show us some of the uh, traditional rooms you have here and everything again looks brand new. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is beautiful and, and well-decorated. It's very warm and inviting. So let's take a look at that and uh, see what we can uh, see. So, yeah, Darren, so this is our entrance. When patients come in, as you can see, one of the things we did with our facility is just be able to keep it as open and allow as much natural light as we could. So you could see that when patients come in, they come to the um, to the waiting area where they can wait. And then when their appointments are ready, we'll bring them into our patient rooms. Uh, we do have five patient rooms all along here um, at the back. And each patient room, and I'll walk you right into one here, Spacious. This is a patient exam table. Usually the patients will come in, will get their initial vital signs checked. Then they'll wait um, and we'll be able to do the interview first sitting and then I'll get them over onto the exam table and do a full physical. One of the things we had wanted when we developed this space is that we wanted to try and decrease wait times as minimum as possible. So we actually facilitated a drive-through check-in for those patients that wish to be able to sit in their cars and wait until their appointments were ready. So they would come into the check-in area, uh, and I'll show that to you here in a moment. We check them in. Um, they can fill out a lot of their forms in their vehicles while they're waiting. And when the appointments are ready, we'll call them and they can walk in straight through the to the door directly into the exam That's room. terrific. Yeah. Has that worked out well for you so far? I've read about it on your website, and it seemed like an innovative and a smart idea, not just in the age of COVID or the, in the age of a pandemic, but yeah. just in general, because the, the waiting room can be a bit of a, 
a downer of a process in, in, in a traditional setup. And to, to a lot of people, the freedom to wait in their car or to run a quick errand, there's a lot of businesses nearby. There's a lot of things that people could do to be able to do that. And then just come in when your, when your room is ready right. is that seems, uh, that seems like, I mean, it's like, why aren't more people doing that? Right. I mean, to be honest with you, for folks that come in for urgent care issues, you know, which is typically your respiratory infections, we'll have families that will bring their children with, you know, respiratory infections. This is the perfect setup because there isn't really any exposure to anybody else, either patients or staff, and they can be conveniently be seated in their cars until their appointments are ready. But you're right. I mean, honestly, for anybody that really rents the comfort of their vehicle, you know, maybe catch up on phone calls or what, you know, whatever other work that they may need to do, they can wait until their appointments are ready and come directly in. But in terms of, you know, the response to that, I mean, it's mixed because the traditional approach is waiting in a waiting room, which, you know, like I showed you earlier, we have several patients that just prefer to be there, which is perfectly fine. But for those folks that want to come and use the drive through a lot of times we'll have folks that will come back for blood work, for example, or for vaccine shots. Same thing. They don't have to wait their turn. They can just come in through the drive through check in. And as soon as the appointment is ready, we'll call them in. They can get their vaccine shot and leave right back through the same door that they came in through. Yeah, that's great. Let's take a look at that. Yep. See what that looks like. So, uh, so we have five exam rooms right here. And then over here, we have our drive through check-in area. So this is our staff break room. And then I'll bring you right here to the back, right behind the screen. Oh, terrific. Mm -hmm. And now this is our check-in. Wow. So um, as you drive into the facility, you'll see a sign which says patient check-in. I don't know if you saw that. Mm -hmm. but So it's uh, so it, it sort of directs you into the drive through lane. You come right here at the uh, check-in window. You get checked in, and then we have you wait in your vehicle until your appointment is ready. That's great. And so. we should say that part of the reason why you're able to do this is because of what this building was before you took That's it over. Correct. So maybe now's a good time to tell us <laughs> what what was this building and also what did it take to turn it into this? Because yeah. it looks totally different yeah. and really beautiful. You would never guess what was here before, but <laughs> obviously this drive-thru is a bit of a giveaway. Tell us a little bit about the, the uh, you know, what was here and also the length of the, you know, just how long was the construction process and, and what did it take to get it to this condition? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a drive-through uh, restaurant building, actually. It was a fast food restaurant. And what turned out was that when we were looking for a location to start the new health and wellness center, you know, we were looking at different locations and had never thought that we'd find something that was so close to 19 as this is. And when this came on the market as the restaurant closed, we said there couldn't really be a more ideal location because of the convenience of folks to be able to turn in right at the, the lights there at the intersection of 19 and Freeport. And then you um, have a great open parking lot. So, you know, there's a lot of parking space. It's easy. To, as you can see, there's really no climbing any stairs or there's no, you know, difficulty in being able to access the building from the outside as uh, uh, from the patient's car. And so when we looked at the drive through that they had, now this drive through was actually at a different location. So the construction was made so that the drive through was right here. You know, who wouldn't like being able to conveniently check in and, and wait in their vehicle? as opposed to um, waiting in an overcrowded waiting area. And how long did it take to uh, convert this whole... Like, when, when did you take possession?
possession and, and when were you able to finally open it? Right. So um, we took possession of it. I believe it was uh, March of 2021. Um, had to go through the licensing process to be able to get the license to begin construction. And then the construction took around nine months or so um, through this past winter. And we were able to open. So this position was available to me back in June, but we were able to then you know, set up our property and get ready to be able to start seeing patients in August, which is when we opened. Wow, terrific. Yep. Let's take a look at the uh, other end of the building. And then as we move over to the other side of the facility, that's our wellness area. Um, the nice thing is that we have a door connecting right to there. And the door has a big glass window right in its center. So this <laughs> is where we can actually sometimes speak through and make sure that, you know, our patients are being able to get mm -hmm. the benefits of having an integrated wellness studio right within the medical facility. Yeah, this is beautiful. It's very well lit. Tons of windows, floor mm -hmm. to ceiling. Mm -hmm. So this is really terrific. Wow. And... Uh, what are, what are some of the programming that you're able to do here? It looks like you're definitely set up for yoga. You got a yes, nice big open floor absolutely. space. You could do other, you have some weights and some other things that you can do as well. What are, yeah. what are what's some of the programming? What's some of the, the services you're offering? And, and right. maybe how will that change in the coming, you know, coming years or whatever in terms of what you're planning? So as you can see, we have a, a very large open space here and are able to facilitate a wide range of different programs for wellness for patients. Um, so it's sort of multifunctional in its use. So at the present time, we have a yoga instructor. Um, her name is Megan Howley. And she offers yoga for patients that are seeking just the benefit of being able to get individualized yoga therapy. Patients can make an appointment through us here with the office. Um, she does different types of yogas, including uh, vinyasa and astanga. But what I really like about how she approaches uh, yoga for patients is that you really don't have to have any previous background. She'll, she'll work with you in terms of developing a plan and then work with us as a medical team to define goals and develop a yoga program that's really medically oriented in a way to help improve aspects of balance, aspects of uh, pain and stiffness. And, and musculoskeletal uh, symptoms. Uh, the other programs we have, we have fitness instructors uh, who are able to provide a fitness consult just to talk, like I started, like I was saying initially, you know, ex developing exercise plans for patients. Everything from folks that have never exercised and to folks that have been regular uh, fitness uh, folks that want to look at ways in which how they can further improve their levels of cardiorespiratory activity or function, endurance, uh, muscle strength, etc. Um, so they do have the fitness classes right here for that. We do have a uh, registered dietitian that will conduct one-on-one -on -one counseling for um, nutrition management. And again, that's all very medically focused. So folks that are interested in weight management, for example, or cardiovascular risk reduction, if they have abnormal lipids, um, she does one-on-one -on -one consultations as well as follow through on ensuring that patients are able to meet their uh, nutritional goals. And then uh, starting this January of 2023, we have a physical therapy group that's going to be starting here, providing physical therapy. Patients that get referred to us can come right here at the same location to get their physical therapy. As you know, we have a, a lot of needs for physical therapy for patients. They also offer uh, chiropractic treatments. And then they also have their own panel of patients that they're able to you know, help bring to this location if this is closer to their home to be able to get their physical therapy treatment. So this sounds like a, a partnership or a collaboration Correct. of some sort. It's a separate company? Correct. Yeah. For physical therapy. Correct. So Dr. Asher, one of the things we talked about earlier was your background in medicine. You have the 
specialty in, in internal medicine, but you have the fellowship at, in critical care as well. Those seem to me like the perfect complement for what you're doing here because the internal medicine, obviously that covers you on the primary care front, you know, taking care of patients, really understanding their well-being. But then the critical care, you know, you are running an urgent care facility as well as part of your practice here. So how do those two aspects of your background play into your ability to, to run this practice, to build this new practice and to offer the le different levels of service that you can provide to your patients? Yeah, no, thanks for that question. Um, it really, I just see it as a spectrum, right? From uh, preventative health to chronic disease management to more acute conditions. And having that broad spectrum of being aware of, you know, the, uh, the spectrum of disease in patients, things such as, for example, you know, what are the important areas that you can focus on from a preventative perspective that can decrease disease exacerbations or decrease the rate of hospitalizations, for example. You know, those become really, really important when you've had that broad experience. So I certainly find it very beneficial for me to be able to use the skill sets in um, taking care of patients at this practice. One thing I can tell you in critical care, for example, is that we really see uh, the most severe aspects of disease. And a lot of the times we notice some of the gaps in health care, if you will, that uh, lead patients to ending up in an ICU. Those areas, the gaps, for example, are really something that I'm very passionate about um, to fill because a lot of it comes down to good access, uh, to good follow-up, to having the, the relationships with your providers that you feel comfortable in communicating and approaching, you know, when concerns, questions, or issues arise. So those are some of the gaps that I certainly most certainly try to fill in this practice, which is facilitate good communication between, for our patients so that there should be no impediments or no concerns in them approaching us for any questions that may arise, and then also helping them recognize the benefits of health improvement from a wellness perspective so that they can engage with us frequently to be able to meet those goals. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about earlier is, again, being an integrated facility, there's a lot you can do here. You can cover a lot of areas. Now, you still might have a patient who's going to require the need of even more specialized care. Maybe they have a unique scenario. They need to see a specialist, something that's out of the expertise that you're able to do here. So one of the benefits of them coming here is, again, you, you're, you're treating the whole person. What do you do in the scenario where you need to refer them on to another specialist, but they still plan to come back here for their overall care? How do you do that in a way so that you're, you're integrating that, you're, you're keeping that line of communication open with the patient so they don't feel lost mm -hmm. in the big uh, healthcare system? And they lose track of what they're doing because that can happen. You know, you can, many of us have had the experience mm -hmm. of, of getting care in a big system and there's a lot of benefits to big system. You know, they have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. uh, the care can be, can be great. It can be excellent, but it can be siloed. As you had mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, it, you can get a little lost mm -hmm. in that system. Mm -hmm. Not sure where to go. Mm -hmm. How do you get them to come back, you know, to, to get that compass pointing true North, getting back here to aspirational health. And so you can ask them questions about what they just did and keep the whole picture in perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so before we started the practice, actually for uh, a few weeks prior to us actually opening our doors, the first thing we did was we actually got in our vehicles and we visited all the as many uh, local practices as we could uh, to be able to have a face-to-face -face introduction with the 
providers there. Our area, as you know, is quite concentrated with a lot of different groups and practices, which is nice because patients do have you know options for uh, healthcare services. We reached out, uh, whether it was orthopedic groups, uh, dermatology, urology, uh, made a visit and, and met with their practice managers as well as their providers um, in the cases in which we could. We also have had a fantastic relationship with the management at AHN Vexford in order for us to be able to have the introductions to their subspecialty groups as well as their uh, diagnostic services um, for testing and procedures, as well as UPMC Passivant. Um, and we actually have direct liaisons who we work with that help us connect with any of the groups there so that um, you know we have that direct practice-to-practice communication. One of the things I can tell you, and I've and I've mentioned it many a times with our patients too, is that you know primary care is about having one person oversee all aspects of care, because when you start looking at fragmented care with um, you know the siloed approach we talked about earlier, a lot of things can be missed, and um, it's really just not beneficial for patients uh, when providers are not working together as a team. So. What we do is we tell our patients we would like us to be the overseers of all of their healthcare in terms of subspecialty care. And so hence, for us to be able to communicate directly with practices, for us to be able to exchange information um, when folks go to other practices to get their subspecialty care, and then follow through once they've had their care to be able to discuss any questions that the patient might still have, you know, is is a critical part of our mission for um, integrated healthcare. So that is certainly something that we uh, spend a lot of time on and put a lot of emphasis on. Yeah, that's really impressive that you go out into the medical community, you introduce yourselves, you let them know that you're here. I didn't even expect that answer. I was thinking more of the advice you're giving the patient to to steer them back to you and also to make sure that you're letting them know that you're a central point for them. And it sounds like you are doing all that, but in addition, you're really making yourself, you're making those introductions, you're letting them know that you're here you're getting known in the community, in the medical community, and that's really smart. So you can kind of hit it on both ends and and really, like you said, be the overall manager of your patients so that you can keep track of everything they're on because you want to know what's that long list of medications, yeah. you know, what, what are they doing so that you can better treat them here? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly speaking, the medical community is pretty close-knit in that there's always going to be connections that you can find that can help you get in touch with providers, you know, that your patients might be going to to seek health care. Um, sometimes it's just as simple as just picking up the phone and reaching out to the provider and saying, hey, you know, we shared this patient together. What do you think about their condition or concerns? And, you know, how do we work together as a team to be able to meet their needs? And we've done that. Uh, in some cases, it's very important that we do that because we have to make sure that their care is well connected. Um, so, so it's not a lot of hard work. And a lot of times you'll notice that folks will even appreciate, you know, when, for example, somebody reaches out to me to tell me about the care that they've provided to a patient of mine. I'm deeply appreciative because it's, it's so important and it's really the way it used to be and, mm-hmm. and should be. More cooperation. Yeah. yeah. So your practice strikes me again as an outsider, somebody who's not working in your industry as something unique, especially here in the Pittsburgh region. There are very few doctors, there are a few, but there are very few few doctors that are doing it the way you're doing it, that are approaching it the way you're approaching it, building a practice, taking a holistic approach, creating a facility with the well-being and the the wellness under one roof, trying to you know provide the nutritional and the exercise and the daily habit, trying to provide that advice as well as just the traditional medical advice, which 
as we know, you know, you go to see a lot of, again, not trying to knock the traditional providers. I mean, there's a lot of great uh, physicians out there. There's a lot of great work out there, but you can be churned through the system pretty quickly and, and you can feel lost and not sure what to do, especially when it comes to lifestyle things. Like, you know, what changes do I make? There's just so much confusing information. So your approach seems new and different in a lot of ways. And I'm wondering, number one, do you, if you agree with that, if that's true in terms of, of our region, are you on the cutting edge in that sense, if you want to think about it that way, in terms of the way you're building your practice, but also in terms of just stepping back and looking at the greater country or even beyond, is this a new wave of the way primary care and, and, and the way these practices are being built? Do you see more of this happening in other major cities and other major parts of the world? And is it just, is this something that's, that's just catching up in other places? And, and cause I'm wondering where, where the idea came from for this for you i know some of it's driven through your passion for wanting to take care of the whole patient but also just this business model you know did you you know did you see examples of this and said yeah i see this happening and taking shape and i want to be on that leading edge yeah what i can tell you is you referred to this earlier when it comes to bigger health systems there are some fantastic services and uh you know options for patients to seek because of the the complexity of care that is available, you know, in bigger health systems. So what I notice is that, you know, our system is, our region here is very sophisticated in the health services that we're able to provide, right? I mean, you know, you can get the most modern, highly complex, highly sophisticated healthcare in this area. And that's fantastic for people. They don't have to travel out. But what also happens in, in a setup like that is that sometimes you start missing those connections where, you know, it's easy access to sort of pick up the phone and be able to reach your provider, get your questions answered, or, you know, really sort of uh, focus on more more of the facilitating of um, all of the health goals in one location as opposed to having to travel to different location locations. And in a field like primary care, there's not a lot that has changed in terms of how we approach patient care because most of our focus is on preventative medicine, lifestyle optimization, nutrition, good mental health, you know, uh, decreasing the risk of, you know, adverse outcomes like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, strokes, kidney disease, etc. Not a lot has changed in primary care in terms of that sophistication. Really, primary care is about relationships. It's about trust. It's about being able to feel comfortable with your providers to share information and then have that access to, you know, come back and ask questions or discuss any concerns. And I found that with the degree of sophistication and just sort of the magnitude of health complexity the, in terms of uh, the practices that are out there, that seems somehow to get lost. And perhaps it's just the byproduct of what happens when systems get very sophisticated is that, you know, you lose some of those traditional approaches of, of care. And so I absolutely found um, that to be a aspect that people seemed to uh, want again, you know, kind of like in the traditional way that they had always perceived their family doctors to be. And I thought that if we were to introduce a model that sort of started really looking at those basics attributes of uh, a primary care practice, it would be hugely not only appealing, but also beneficial for patients because they can really start now feeling that they can be at home with a place like ours and get the healthcare as they have always desired. And so I'm hopeful that this model um, 
gets the attention that it deserves because this is the way I think is the you know the best way to approach uh, preventative medicine. Yeah, I mean it's like you said there's a coming back to the traditional way of the old way of doing things with a model like this because you're you're focused on relationships and building that back up and and we all know that the better the relationship whether it's a with a patient or if somebody listening to this has a, a different type of business your customer or whoever the better that relationship the better the communication the better you can solve the problem or address the issue the problem becomes when you get churned through the system and you don't have a chance to communicate you get 30 seconds with your doctor or something you things get missed and the more we can spend time with patients or, or clients or whoever they are the more we can address their needs so i think it's a big world and there's room for lots of different models, right? Your model fits in nicely with what's already mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. and it gives people some choice and it gives mm -hmm. people a, a chance to experience different levels of care in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's great. And the other thing too I wanted to point out is just coming in here and, and just spending a little time here, it seems very inviting and appealing. And I know that that's an aesthetic, but it still matters because the way a person enters a building whether it's a medical building or whatever, is going to really impact what happens inside. Mm -hmm. And if they feel warm and inviting mm -hmm. and welcomed and not treated like a number, not churned through the mm -hmm. system, that person maybe can open up and allow you know you to work with them in mm -hmm. a way that they wouldn't otherwise. Because we all know, again, there's a lot of institutional settings where we feel a little bit closed in and uh, some people are nervous. Some people don't know what mm -hmm. to say. Some people don't know how much they can, you know, what, what they, how much time they have, what, the, you mm -hmm. know, they're trying to get it all out. Mm -hmm. They, they, they might burst into tears because yep. it's just, they have just so much on their shoulders yep. and they don't know what to, where to turn. And so just having an inviting setting that makes a huge difference. That's so true. And I can tell you that it's not uncommon at all. Like you said, when patients come in here, they're nervous. Um, they're coming to their doctor's office. There are things that are, they've bottled up that they need to release, you know, um, and in primary care, we talk about everything, their social history, their family history, you know, mental health concerns, stress, marital relationships, you know, concerns there. So it can provoke a lot of anxiety when you're, when you're in a doctor's office. And we see that actually fairly often with our patient encounters. Um, that's why, in fact, when you look at like blood pressure management that we do, um, you know, most commonly in the primary care setting, we'll never go by that one blood pressure that you would measure in a doctor's office because most times it's high than their baseline. One of the things we did was... Um, this is obviously a very inviting environment and I'm very thankful to um, the team that worked on this project because we definitely wanted natural light. We wanted openness. You know, we wanted the rooms and the decor to be very inviting and relaxing. Um, we'll turn on music for folks that's when they're waiting. So that certainly is a huge benefit in terms of architecture. But the other thing we've done, and this is what I was mentioning to you, is when folks come back uh, to us, when they come for the nutrition appointment, for their yoga appointment, the second time around, the third time around, we just noticed that ease, like they're more comfortable, you know, which wasn't the case that the first time that we met them. And then you sort of meet them on a recurring basis. You get a chance to be able to just have a social talk about, you know, how things are with their family or with their job. And that ease is so important because then people know that, you know, they can really confide in us with any concerns that they may have, whether it's their health, whether it's their emotional health, their mental health. And that opens up a lot of avenues for us for medical care. Yeah, that care. small talk is where actually, it's not just small talk. That's actually where a lot of things can come out. Because yeah. when they start to, when when somebody starts to feel welcome and and comfortable yeah. and you're making that 
small talk about what's going on in their lives. That's where the little snippets come out of like, oh, I started doing this or I stopped doing that. And then the light bulb comes like, oh, could that be a trigger for this? You know, could there be an allergy situation here? Have you, you know, try to remove this from your diet or have you, did you realize that maybe that's a stressor? You know, things like that may be popping up and you learn from that. But again, that was the traditional way of doing medicine many, many years ago. And we sort of lost that art. I guess that's the, sort of the art part of medicine. There's a science is a big part of it. It's what we think about, but there's an art, especially to, to primary care in terms of dealing with people, good by, bedside manner, understanding, being able to interpret, being able to communicate, being able to read between the lines. Mm -hmm. You're, I, I believe, again, I'm just out, outsider looking in here, but I believe you're more equipped to do that in a setting like this than you would in a traditional setting. Your, your traditional mainstream, large institutional setting is, is what I mean by that, because uh, I think people just feel, and I know from being in that position myself, because we've all been patients, you just feel a little bit more pressured for time and and you're trying to get it all out in like 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's really hard to do that and, yeah. and really get to the underlying cause, you know? And so I, I and, and I like how you're, it also sounds to me like you're not just prescribing medicine, but you're you're prescribing lifestyle changes. That That's something, I think we've talked about that throughout this this conversation, but maybe we didn't hit on that directly. But that's huge because a lot of lifestyle changes do matter. And I think medicine has gotten away from that. You know, we believe that, you know, just prescribe, you know, what's your symptom here? You know, here's the pill and let's move on to the next patient quickly. I got to get mm -hmm. through the numbers. Mm -hmm. I got to get through my day mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, what are some of the things that maybe people are doing that are contributing to their own illness? Mm -hmm. Can we start to make differences there? Can we mitigate? Can we remove things? And obviously that's what you're doing with getting people in the, on the yoga mat and, mm -hmm. and doing some exercises trying to, you know, get them moving and breathing and prescribing nutrition as opposed to just pills. And mm -hmm. it sounds like that's a big part of what you're doing here. Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you that um, not a single patient leaves the clinic without us talking about exercise, nutrition, um, mental health management, sleep, you know, relationships, uh, stress reduction, you know, work-life balance, all really critical aspects uh, for preventative health. But each one of these topics is huge. I mean, you could spend an hour, you know, conversing. So it's almost impossible to be able to do it all in one go. And that's why it's important that we work as a team and we have professionals that are experts in those uh, different areas. And, we, you know, we work together as a team that patients engage with and provide that team-based approach so that patient can get that full spectrum of health that they desire. The other aspect is, you know, we meet as a team on a regular basis too. So we share ideas. We kind of talk about scenarios that in some cases that might be challenging, whether it's weight management or whether it's certain mental health, you know, concerns that we may have about patients. And we sort of work as a team to determine, okay, what is the best treatment plan, if you will, that we can develop cohesively as a team of professionals that can help meet the patient's needs. And like I said, we also collaborate with other specialists, other practices in the area so that if it comes to having to refer, then, you know, we certainly would. But 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 that gives us a, a multidimensional perspective when we hear that perspective from our dietitian, from our fitness instructors, from our mental health counselors as to what their impression of the of the patient's concerns may be, and then how we work as, as a team to kind of develop a roadmap moving forward. Speaking of the team that you were mentioning, that you know you, you're building a team. You're not the only one here, obviously. Yeah, you're building a, um, a specialized team, a sophisticated team. You kind of referenced this earlier when we were doing the tour and we were talking in the uh, the fitness uh, wing of the business where you had different people on staff, you know, now that you've been in business for a few months, you're obviously, you're continuing to build in this location. 
you know, what types of folks do you have on staff now that are able to provide different services? Maybe just touch on that again. And then, and then maybe where are you going with it? Are there some key positions or areas that you'd like to see filled uh, to be able to allow you to better offer the services that you want to to your patients? Right. So myself, um, I am the physician and the medical director of the facility. I have uh, two nurse practitioners on our team that are uh, family nurse practitioners that are trained in providing uh, family medicine care. We have a fitness instructor that specializes in fitness consultations to develop exercise plans for our patients. We have a yoga instructor that really works on yoga instruction and training, a registered dietitian that provides all the nutritional care services at our center, uh, and a mental health counselor that provides mental health counseling. We will also have uh, physical therapy here at our center, so that patients have the ability to be able to get um, access to physical therapy um, right here on location. And in the future, do you plan to add any additional uh, types of medical people or experts that you don't have currently or, or any other physicians? Is that something that you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be ideal that we could have uh, a partnership with physicians that um, could provide an extended spectrum of services, particularly in the realm of preventative care. So some of the things we notice for sure that our patients require and would benefit from would be gynecology services, for example, for preventative women's care and, you know, other physician specialties that would be partners with us that can, you know, help with the integrated health approach. Certainly, that would be a great addition to the team. Dr. Asher, as we wrap up, what final words of advice could you leave for entrepreneurs listening to this? Really, that's what you are. You are a physician and you are, uh, you're a medical provider, but you also started your own practice. And so that means you're a business owner now and you're, you're an entrepreneur too. People out there listening, they want to start a business and maybe they're like you, maybe they work in a profession that doesn't always have a lot of entrepreneurs. Not, not, not all, most physicians are not starting their own businesses anymore. Most are working as employees in the system. And, and so maybe somebody out there is in a similar position or maybe um, they just want to, you know, they're working in a corporate job or something and they just want to start something new and different. They have a passion. They have an idea. Maybe your thoughts are along those lines, or it could just be some practical advice. I mean, you've been in business now for a few months. You've, you got a long way to go, but you've, yeah. you've learned some things already. And you're doing, like you said earlier, you're, you're, man, you're juggling and managing everything, mm-hmm. marketing, finance, accounting, mm-hmm. hiring, training, the facility, construction, like it's just, you have all of that. And so you know, maybe just something is on your mind with respect to that. Yeah, I think it certainly starts with a vision um, and being passionate about your goals to accomplish that vision. It does take a lot of drive and a lot of dedication to make sure that you see it come through to fruition. So patience and, you know, making sure that you give it time to be able to come to full life is important. One of the things I've experienced really in my journey is spending the time to be able to talk to people. I spent a lot of time meeting and talking to other practitioners that had ventured out and set their own private practices because you you get a lot of useful information just knowing, you know, what were the hurdles, the impediments, um, the challenges that folks had faced when they had ventured out to start their own private practice. So I thought that was a very, very helpful approach. The other aspect is due diligence. I mean, you definitely want to spend the time, whether you have a financial uh, uh, advisor or somebody that you can work with to look at uh, planning, projections, 
budgeting, just spending the time to be able to prepare and plan. Um, sometimes that wait can be hard when you're overly <laughs> ambitious go. and right, you want right. to like, you know, see it come through as quickly as possible. But no, you know, spending the time preparing planning is is very, very critical. There are a lot of uh, challenges and hurdles that come along the way, especially you talked about construction. You know, that was an area that, I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot of experience with, uh, especially commercial construction. And so what I say is that I did trust in people, you know, so when I did my due diligence in finding the right teams, then I found ways in which I could appropriately delegate responsibilities and work and then trust in people that can bring through your ambition or your you know vision with the project uh, sometimes it can be overbearing to have to deal with a lot of responsibilities in a projects like this so finding ways in which you can know you know what are the areas that you really need to delegate work for and what are the areas that you need to be more hands-on is important it's that balance right and I think the ultimate reward really has been the team that I work with you know that are so passionate about this project and they've given me all the support so you know having the right uh, folks that you can work with and and then the patient relationships that we have developed that pulls us through yeah that's some great great practical advice there and some great information for people listening so thank you so much dr asher for being on the podcast thank you for having me into your facility wonderful facility here giving me a, a behind the scenes tour I know that listeners and viewers are going to really enjoy this. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me and the Pittsburgh small business community a huge favor by giving it a rating on your favorite podcast app. It really helps others to find the show so that we can continue to build our community. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you know someone who should be on the podcast or you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at proprietorsofpittsburgh.com or at 412-336-8247. I'm Darren Volano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh Podcast. Take care.